Now to end the tour of the ancient wonders of the world, let me direct you to the hanging gardens on your left and the pyramids of Giza on your right. <laughs> Sit back, enjoy the ride, and let's finish our trip of the ancient wonders of the world. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Quirks of Creation. I am your host Jess Holmes and joining me as always is Elise. Hello. Happy Friday everybody. Happy happy Friday. Welcome to part two of our tour of the ancient wonders of the world. I am so excited. Yay me too. To be fair we probably could have done one on each one of them and uh, I didn't want to drag it out that long and these two are also going to be like they could have been their own, but we're gonna stick to we're gonna stick to this. Wrap it up. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and check it out. We talk about five of the seven ancient wonders in the first episode, and uh, I did them backwards. So I did the most recent, and we're working our way back to the oldest. So before we jump into it, though, we have anything we need to announce, discuss. Oh, yes. I just want to thank everybody for their support on Rumble. We have surpassed our followers on YouTube on Rumble now. We Yay! are at 430. I am so excited. You guys are amazing. And if you're new to the show, if you don't follow the show on Rumble, what are you doing with your life? Get on over there because <laughs> that's where the chat is hopping. That's where we have a good time, where we share the memes. So make sure you guys head on over there. Hit like and subscribe and be a part of the Quirks family. Yay! Come on over, check us out, see all the way inappropriate jokes we don't share on air. <laughs> you think Elise tells too many appropriate jokes on air? You should see the ones we don't read from the chat. Our chat's on fire! And I love it. I'm here for it. Me too. I'm not encouraging it, yes, but I are. am. So yeah, anyway, don't believe me <laughs> for a minute. Ah, no, that's so awesome. And I'm excited. And again, like our streaming stuff just can't shut off YouTube and keep going like we used to right. do before. Uh, but we still are full like demonetize YouTube and Facts. we get to chat here and not worry about getting kicked off or whatever. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't care that our <laughs> episode last week got fact checked on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, whatever. It's kind of a badge of honor. Yeah, I think. if anything else, yeah. honestly, getting kicked off YouTube would be a badge of honor yeah. because Rumble is where it's at. Rumble is where free speech is happening. So if you like free speech, if you like just telling the truth without fear, Rumble is the place to be. That's where we're at. Yay. So again, thanks, everybody. Uh, should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. So welcome back to part two. Just to recap briefly. Part one, we talked about the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the Statue of Zeus, and the Temple of Artemis. Um, today, we're going to jump into the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and the Pyramid of Giza. The first five that we talked about are all really similar 
to each other in that they're very Greek. And just like all of the ancient wonders, they're very big, very wonderful. Um, they all kind of fit those check marks. But right. again, they're much more Greek. And these two are very much not. <laughs> right. It's like they, they picked all of the Greek ones they felt like they could get away with. Right. And then it's like, well... These are important too, I guess, even though I they're guess. objectively like the biggest and probably the most important. I I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I yeah, I I think it's subjective, but at the same time, they're definitely. Well, first, spoiler alert: like the Hanging Gardens, did they even exist? Oh, it's a question. I didn't realize that was a question. It is a question. Yeah. Oh. We'll get into it, I wow. promise. Oh, and then the pyramids, I mean, the pyramids. Do you yeah. need to say any more? Like, there's... They're big. They're pointy. Yeah. There's so much, like, what if? What about this? What about that? <laughs> I, I have all of the questions you learn in English class. You know, how, what, yes. why. I got the where. Like, I know right. where. At least I think <laughs> I know where. Yeah. Egypt somewhere. Yeah. Right. No, and the, yeah, in the desert somewhere. The desert Unless somewhere. they made it and move it. No, I'm not going to get into that. That's right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see where that one goes. I'm going to try right. to stick, like with the last time. I'm going to try to stick with what we know. So much of this has been lost to antiquity, unfortunately, and um, there's a lot that, uh, quote unquote, is known, but really, it's just like the what we've accepted as the um, narrative, I guess. Gotcha. And not, not totally unbased on things, but some of it is. So, we'll, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I guess, shout out to Alexander the Great for opening the world up in this area. He was well, pretty great. He was pretty great. That's what they say. I don't know. I don't know if everybody thought that when he came well, fair. Afterwards, I mean, history is written by the victors, right? So, so they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the victors say. <clears throat> so the victors say. But yeah, he opened up this world so that everybody could, even after he passed, could explore, and it was much more open and available to all these wonders, so people could see them. Um, and what we talked about last time were like the geographers and the historians who wrote about this. So you have Herodotus, of course. Anipater of Sidon, Philo of Byzantium, Strabo, Pliny the Elder, yada, 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 yada. Bunch of old dudes writing about this stuff. Right. Not a lot of that has lasted. So, mm. again, what do we know? Eh. Next step before the pyramid is the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Again, taking this backwards. Right. So, we'll start with what we know which actually we don't know much again. So unlike the others, there's no real consensus among scholars as to where the ancient wonder once stood, if it existed or how it functioned or why or much of anything else. So, Oh, awesome. So yeah. it's like at this point, it's basically like one of those campfire stories that everyone tells, except this is about an ancient site that may or may not have existed. May or may not have been there. Yeah. So it's just kind of crazy. When you think of the Hanging Gardens, what imagery 
comes to your mind? I think of like probably a castle sort of structure, but it's got like grass all over it. And I don't know, just like hanging pots. Hanging pots <laughs> everywhere. Right. Yeah, hanging pots. Like a garden with things that hang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, this, what I'm going to show us next is just a couple like artist renditions. Actually, first, here's another map of all the ancient Ooh, wonders. Maps. This one was much better than last time. Sorry, everybody. But we're going over to Iraq, Babylon. Okay. Today is in Iraq, obviously. Uh, can I just say that I love knowing where the ancient sites are today because yeah. when they say Babylon and other places like it, I'm like, huh? I know. I get this very generalized, like, the Middle East, you know, image in my mind. And it's like, desert. That's all I got. I don't know. Right. I got Egypt. I know where Egypt right, is. Right, right, right. Its name hasn't changed in a bajillion years. True. Fair. <laughs> But with, yeah, so with Babylon, or maybe, maybe this is where it is, was the Iraq today. This is an artist's rendition of what it could have possibly looked like. So you get that ziggurat structure, mm. everything growing on tiers, and another famous picture of it, picture. Oh, yeah. Idea of it is this one. Um, so, yeah, it's not really hanging that's okay still really beautiful I don't know I think I like this picture better I do too and it it gives you a sense of like mystery I don't know yeah it's just very it's very awe-inspiring it is very wonderful very big it is very big so like for our audio listeners just like from my perspective yeah to me it almost looks like a tiered castle like you said the ziggurat structure so mm -hmm. you have these basically floors in tiered layers but yep. there's just so much flora around it like it's yes. just objectively beautiful yeah to look at these artist renditions and to think that something like this could have ever existed is wow especially in a uh area that would have been considered very arid and dry that's yes. so much Beauty lots of could exist there exactly lots of brown and then it's a broken up by this you know you got the beautiful greens and f different colored flowers right I don't know. so that's one idea and again we'll never really know i suppose but um according to strabo who was like first century ad writer um <clears throat> It consists of vaulted terraces raised one above another and resting upon cube-shaped pillars. These are hollow and filled with earth to allow trees of the largest size to be planted. The pillars, the vaults, and terraces are constructed of baked brick and asphalt. The ascent to the highest story is by stairs, and at their side are water engines by means of which persons appointed expressly for the purpose are continually employed in raising water from the Euphrates into the garden. So full-time job just to water this place. I mean, that makes sense. And that would also explain yes. why so much can thrive here. And this very, it looks very cared for. Like you might yes. imagine um, 
I don't know if you've ever been to like Disney World and seen all of like the greenery that they have in some of their parks. It just, it makes me think of something like that where people are like taking very well care or like a botanical garden. That's more what I'm thinking of. There you go. I like that too. Absolutely. So it's very well taken care of. Um, Whoever, wherever someone constructed this, obviously uh, had the manpower to have people consistently watering this. Right. But we'll get into that too. So again, another thing that's like known, um, Diodorus of Strabo said it was 400 feet wide, 400 feet tall, and the walls were 80 feet. Wow. Yeah. So basically that's like a football field, another third of a football field, if that helps put it into perspective. Yeah. That, I mean, that, to me, that's just like huge. Yeah, yeah, it's it's big. So it's not as tall as like Helicarnassus was, um, one of these shorter structures. But they, but it is still four hundred by four hundred. I don't know. It's a big. It's a big in. Yeah, <laughs> still, it fits. Um, so yeah, most scholars believe they weren't really hanging. That was a mistranslation of. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a mistranslation of the word of the Greek word. Cremastos, or the Latin pensilis, which were used to describe the gardens, and they could have been referring to, like, overhang. So, like, balcony, terrace, like you see here. I think it's very fitting. Um, Anyway, another widely accepted belief is the date around 600 B.C. Mm. And... I like I like what bookstore Thor said. So I think I heard somewhere that the Mesopotamian kings wanted to be remembered as gardeners, echoes of Eden. It's a good question. I like that. Yeah. Go ahead. It, to me, I think he might like actually be onto something because if you think of this time period, it's not quite when um, the pyramids were constructed, right? You said it was about 600 BC mm-hmm. is the time period. So you're not that. You're not so entirely removed from creation that, I don't know, that tradition of stewardship isn't still important then. Whereas like today, the tradition of stewardship is not there. Right. Exactly. No, I think that's very fitting. And I also think it's a way to be like, hey, we're in this arid place and look what I can do. It'd be a symbol of wealth. Exactly. Um it's absolutely a symbol of wealth and power. You know, look how powerful I am to be able to do these things and, and brilliant I am. Right. All of these things, which the wonders kind of, again, they leave you in awe. And what a better way to leave someone in awe in this place than to like brown, 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 <laughs> green, right in your face. <laughs> it's almost like a, a symbol. It, this is actually why I love cacti <clears throat> because they're this symbol of hope in the middle of a desert. Mm-hmm. And so I, I personally can understand the allure of wanting to have some greenery in a dry and hopeless place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, this is still very mysterious. So, how do we know any of this and how can scholars claim any kind of authority on this? Four main writers would have been um, Barassus, 
and Strabo, Antipater of Sidon, and Diodorus, two of which I've already mentioned. But the earliest to leave any info was Barassus, and he was from Babylon. He was a priest of Marduk, or Baal, like the main priest. Mm. He wrote a history of Babylon for the Greeks. So like his Greek overlords, he wrote history for them. Right. And also as the main priest, he would have had access to the cuneiform texts with all the information regarding the gardens and the history at that time. So he wrote his works around 290 to 278 BC. So it's still two, 300 years beyond when these gardens were supposedly built. So there's still quite a big gap. Um, And the story goes that uh, this was built by Nebuchadnezzar. So Mm. the Nebuchadnezzar from the Bible, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. um, He ruled ruled Babylon around 605 to 562 BC. And it said that he built this for his wife. So she was from Mede and she was like very sad and depressed because she's surrounded by all this like monotone right. area. She's from the very you know, mountains and greenery and all these beautiful things that she doesn't have anymore. And she was depressed. So um, he's loved her so much that he built her this garden and it was for her to sit and enjoy and also other people to just come and enjoy. Isn't he so wonderful? <laughs> that gives new context to when he went crazy and then started eating grass. <laughs> there you go. He just went to the garden. Right. <laughs> the only place he could find it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So go to the garden and sit and enjoy. Watch out. Our king went crazy. So if you see him, run away. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you avoid him, it's a great time. <laughs> just imagine taking tourists through. It's like, there's King Nebby. We can't, we leave him alone. Yeah, don't throw rocks at him, guys. Just, nope. just leave him alone. Don't Keep pet moving. him either. Yeah, don't pet him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I love it. But that's the story. And Barassus's work survived, or none of them survived um, entirely. Some of it did, most of it didn't. And most of what we know actually comes from our boy Josephus. So we've talked about him before and what a character he is and kind of how reliable-ish his work is, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, Let's see. So he wrote his books mm, 37, no, 13 AD, excuse me. It was in 13 AD. And it was like, he mentioned the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and that Nebuchadnezzar built this for his wife, 13 AD. So again, another like, what, 200 years Yeah. after the writings of Barassus. And He was quoting Barassus's work, but at the same time, it's also like, well, yes, but he also was quoting somebody else who was quoting him. So it's like, it might have been a weird, funny game of telephone there. Meh. But still, even with that, he's like the most authoritative work that we have and what most scholars base their information on when it comes to the Hanging Gardens. So... There's also an argument that 
he was writing this for the Jews and he's the one who mentioned Nebuchadnezzar. He's the only one who mentioned Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody else did. And that was because he was trying to relate it to someone the Jews would connect with. Oh, okay. It is one of the arguments, but we'll get into that more too. But so why is this like a question? Why um, is it like, was it in Babylon? Did it even exist? How do we, why are we questioning this? Basically, there's been no archaeological evidence found in the area of Babylon to support that there was ever hanging gardens there. Excuse me. There's, let's see, not all of Babylon has been excavated because of, you know, turmoil and all that that's going on over there. It's really hard to get permits. It's one of those places where it's like, Nah, don't come poke around here. Just, yeah. just stay away. You just stay over there. So, but there was a German archaeologist, Robert Caldway, who excavated, and he started in 1899. He's been about 18 years excavating there, trying to find the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Oh wow! Uh, and he didn't. <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert: he didn't. That that's kind of tough, you know. Like when yeah. you spend your whole life's work looking for something and it just never, yeah, happens. Yeah, didn't come to fruition. Not really. He did have some great finds, though. I mean, he found the foundation of the Temple of Marduk, and he also found the evidence for the Ishtar Gate, which that was that was a big deal too. Yeah, it was a big I was deal for say, That's no small thing. No. So it's not like he didn't find anything of substance. He just couldn't find anything definitively pointing to the hanging gardens of Babylon. Right. Now what we do know is that King Nebuchadnezzar built a lot of things. Like he was a huge builder, took a lot of credit. Of course, I mean, he built all these wonderful things and he was like, "Yeah, I did that and that and that and that." including the Ishtar Gate. And there's a lot of his works, the cuneiform works that are still, we still have. So we know all these things that he did build, but the hanging gardens were never listed in any of his achievements that he himself boasted of. Hmm. Um, let's see here. What was I going to go with this? Sorry. No, you're good. I'm just like, I want to know what happened to them. Like, if they ever existed, what could have caused them to just, like, disappear from the earth? Yeah. Because this is something that was built post-flood, post-Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. Wouldn't have been in the same region anyway. Right. I don't know. I'm just, like, curious. Yeah. Like, what happened? What happened? Where did they go? Right. So, of course, you could blame earthquakes um, and things like that. And, again, since we haven't been able to do as much excavating of the areas we want to, maybe we just haven't found, like, it's buried under a mound kind of thing. That's, that is a long time, I could imagine. Well, and we've talked about this before. Not only could it be buried, but a lot of times old structures like that got repurposed. Yep. So it's not like you're just going to leave those rocks behind, especially, uh, I think it was during the Middle Ages when the 
crusaders came through everywhere, started taking all of the bricks and mortar of every place and yes. using it to build other things. So I could see that too, but I feel like if it had lasted that long, we would have yeah. had a better record of it. Right. Exactly. So yeah, not a lot of record of it. And again, with Josephus, it's kind of like, eh. But there's another argument that the Hanging Gardens did exist, just not in the Babylon that we think of. Oh. Yeah. So there is um, a woman named Dr. Stephanie Daly, and she is one of the few who can read cuneiform. That's that's a huge achievement. Not many people can say that. So yeah, here's a question I have. Yeah. Sorry to like interject. No. Not many people can say they can read cuneiform. So how do we know she actually can read cuneiform and she's not just making it all up? That's true. It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Just like when I look at it, I'd be like, yep, says happy birthday. <laughs> I win. <laughs> right. I don't know. I guess I should have looked into more of her credentials, except that you know, she works for the British Museum in Oxford and – I, I mean, that's as good of a credentials as you're going to get, right? So, so, yeah. Not like, that credentialism matters at all. Right, right. But she's claiming this anyway. Right. <laughs> um, she wrote a book called The Mystery of the Hanging Garden of Babylon in 2013. And her claim, again, based on the text that she's read, one is describing the life of Sennacherib, who is an Assyrian king, which is further north from Babylon. Um, the text that she read was called Sennacherib's Prism. And there is a description of a palace and a garden that was built as a wonder for all people. And further to support her theory, there's a um, bas relief that was removed from Nineveh in northern Iraq brought to the British Museum, and it shows Sennacherib's palace complex in a garden featuring trees hanging in the air on terraces and plants suspended in arches. Oh. So this is the relief that was found, maybe. And it, you can see it, kind of. Wow. It's not a great picture. But if you look at the very top, that's like a man standing in one of the arches. Yeah the greenery and the trees and that's kind of, that's another place where she's based this off of. We also have wonderful texts that have survived from that time describing Sennacherib and his family and <laughs> kind of all the history. I'm just waiting for our screen to change back. Okay. I think we're safe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. <laughs> Um, so that relief that I just showed you, it was done by Ashurbanipal, who was Sennacherib's grandson. Now, Sennacherib's father was Sargon II, and he ruled Assyria from 722 to 705, and Sennacherib ruled from 705 to 681. So before, supposedly, the Hanging Gardens were built. Um, but what we do know is that Sargon, so Sennacherib's dad, that's such a great name. Right. Um, he had built his own garden, which was beautiful. Nothing as big and as extravagant as what the Hanging Gardens are said to have been. But it was uh, still still very big, still very beautiful. And it was a tradition, 
I guess, kind of, and that Sennacherib wanted to make his own, make it bigger and better. They also talk about how much he loved his wife and how he built that for her as well, maybe. So the stories are pretty similar. Um, oh, man, I keep losing my train of thought. I'm really sorry. So No, you're good. Also, the geography of Nineveh compared mm-hmm. to Babylon makes a lot more sense. So Nineveh is further north. It's in this mountainous region. Water is what have come from the Tigris. So they're still right. on, not the Euphrates, but they're still on those two main rivers, the Euphrates right. and the Tigris. So you have Babylon who's on the Euphrates. You have the Tigris and Nineveh. <clears throat> the... um. Assyrians would have gotten their water from aqueducts that would have come down from the mountains, so collected the rainwater and brought it down, and that would have brought the water to them. The water then could have easily been put into the lake, like in the center of the Hanging Gardens and around, like Strabo said. And the tool that they would have used was called an Archimedes screw. Ooh. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't, but I've heard of Archimedes, so I'm yeah, right. interested to see what this is. Obviously, they wouldn't have called it that. That's what we call it today because Archimedes was a little bit after that. Right. Uh, but what it looks like is basically what it says. It's a giant screw that goes into the water. Oh. And what it does is as you crank the handle at the top, the um, – oh, I don't know what you want to call them, but the – the rotors or the, yeah, you know I don't know they're not rotors but I like keep wanting the, to say fans and that's not that's not the, helpful the either. spirally part of a screw yeah the spirally part pulls the water up so it pulls the water up from the bottom up to the top and because I'm so terrible at describing this I've also got a video oh great thank goodness somebody else can describe it for <laughs> me so <laughs> maybe let's see. If I can get to the right slide. Yay! Yay! There's no sound. Oh, okay, um, so. or I shut the sound off, so. But you can see them turning. And it's drawing the water up. Into all these little Oh, pillars. wow. Whoop, whoop. I'm so that was the idea. I'm going to show this in my physics class. Because I love this. It's a good one. It was a good way to like, again, describe it for me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I like the visual picture. for So for those who miss it, miss it or are listening, if I can try to describe it, it's basically, I mean, it's basically like you said, it's this giant screw. And because yeah. of the rotating action, the water is being slowly transported up these series of inclines. And so it's not just like one, it's like several. So it can pour into like a new collection unit yep, and then up and up and up. So that's how, I mean, that makes sense because if you want to get water from like the low valley of the river up to wherever you're building, yeah, that's how you do it. Screw it on up. Though I like what Pookie says. That's manual labor big time for sure. Yes, yes it is. The Yes. This compared to another theory that they had though was that it was just a, a pull up. Wow. A pulley system. Mm. So you have 
buckets. Right. On rope. And it's yeah, being pulled up the a simple pulley. machine. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, this would have been at this least is way a little bit efficient. easier. Yeah. And efficient, exactly. And I think also uh, with the pulley system, it would have had to have been 24-7. Like, yeah. you would have dudes working to pull that water up all the time. What Not pain. that this with this you wouldn't have had people working no. constantly, but still. Yeah. You yeah. get you get more bang for your buck with exactly. this, so to speak. There's no great way. <laughs> Thank God for gravity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so those are some of the arguments. But um, geography would have played a big role in it. Even with the Archimedes, even with the rainwater from the mountain, they'd have collected it and then had to get it up to each tier. So it's still, it's still a, a big job. Now, when the Assyrians conquered Babylon around 1200 BC, their capital, Nineveh, was also called the New Babylon. And Babylon came back to overthrow them in 612. There's a whole history of craziness and war here that we just won't get into. But it's still part of her argument that... um, with it being called New Babylon and all the distance between the writings and what we do have and what we don't have, it's totally possible that this, again, through this game, terrible game of telephone with historians and not knowing who wrote what necessarily because nothing um, anciently, not as much of the ancient text was preserved that we would need to confirm everything. The only other trouble with this, too, is that excavating in Nineveh is also impossible at this time. <laughs> so she might be able to just say whatever she wants, and right. it might not even be doable in her lifetime. And so it's like, I can make a ton of claims here. But, I mean, Herodotus wrote about it. All these people. Alexander the Great said that he saw it as well. So it's like, I think it is possible. I think it's totally logical that it could have existed. It's more corroborated than Atlantis, at least. Yes. Yeah. It's more accepted. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> You're not as crazy if you say that you believe in the Hanging Gardens versus Atlantis. So Right. So I guess there's that. But those are the those are the hanging gardens. Where are the what who when? I love that at least two of the hypotheses are that men built them for their wives. Yeah. And that's just like, I don't know if that's women self-inserting and like wishing their men would build them something grand and beautiful <laughs> as this gesture or men trying to puff themselves up and be like, yeah, I did this for my lady. Right. Yeah, exactly. How much do you love me enough to build me hanging gardens? No. I feel like Elise has an inappropriate joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> probably. And I missed it. I missed it too. So we're we're safe. Okay. <laughs> um yeah. I don't know. The Hanging Gardens is a crazy one. The history there is also crazy, and we can't go in there and find out a ton. So fair. So there's that. And then ba-ba-da-ba. Next on our stop, unless you have anything to add about what may or may not have been there. (laughs) Okay. To get just like a tiny bit. 
was it just like a garden? Did they have strange animals that they kept in there too? There's talk that the Assyrians had a zoo, but as well, but this was mostly just hanging gardens. Also, I guess Sennacherib was really, really into collecting rare, like herbs, collecting rare flowers and all sorts of trees. So like the biggest one they said that was in Babylon would have been like the date palms. And that, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was like, Historically known that Sennacherib was all about the rare. He was all about that, mm-hmm, that yes. rare herb, that mm-hmm. rare sin spinach. I'm not saying that's wrong. Again, I think we <laughs> could throw out whatever we want here right. and be like, yeah, we don't know. That's totally what he was growing. His wife was stressed out. Right. <laughs> it's, for, it's for his wife. It's not for him. It wasn't for him. It was for her. It was all for her. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even think of that. There is also another story that it was written, er, written, that it was um, created by a woman warrior queen, Semiramis. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was just trying to hold the fort till her son was old enough to take over kind of a thing. There's a huge story there too, but not with, not necessarily with the hanging gardens, just her in general. But I won't go in. I won't veer off any, any further. So we're we're delaying the big one, the massive right. one, the pointy one. Da, 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 the pyramid. Let's go. Let's do it. So the pyramids of Giza. One of my favorite quotes is um, it's actually the proverb. So man fears time, time fears the pyramids. It's a 12th century Arab proverb, and I think that's very fitting because this is the oldest and the largest of the ancient wonders, and the only one still hanging out with us today. So this is what it possibly, probably looked like 2,500 years ago. So they think it was like a pure white? Made out of limestone, and it would have been polished and would have been beautiful. Everybody could see it from far away. People say it was even possible that they could have seen it from the moon. They, <laughs> I don't know. <gasps> Interesting. Yeah. But again, that's what it's artist rendition of what it would have looked like then, that's what funny. it looks like now. Still, still big, daunting, beautiful. The fact that we have it at all, and it's the oldest one out yeah. of all of them, and it's still standing strong all these years later is just insane. Yes, absolutely. It gets more insane. So, you know, it is, there's a lot that's known. And of course, there is a lot that is unknown. Uh, Bookstore Thor has another good point. I don't see the Cairo Pizza Hut in that picture. I didn't pull up that picture. (laughs) But what's funny is, of course, you get one um, view of the pyramids and really you can in certain pictures and from different angles. Wait, no way. There's no, you can there's, see. Okay. So like, fans it's really close Discord, to town. drop us that picture and we'll talk about it in the yeah. after show. Cause I've never seen that before. And I want to see it. It's crazy. Cause you think it's out there in the middle of nowhere, but really. Mm, no, it's, it's right next to town. <laughs> 
it's oh not that far. Gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, Jelly says, I thought the Great Wall of China was one of the seven wonders of the world. It is. It's just not one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. This is very localized to the Greek Hellenistic area period, all that jazz. So doesn't go too far east of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It doesn't at all, actually. What am I talking about? Right. East? Yeah. Anyway, so it is a wonder, but it's not in this list. This is the last one. This is also a, I don't know if oh, you wow. can see Pizza Hut from here, but here's the satellite image. There's like a tiny little speck near one of the pyramids. Maybe that's the Pizza Hut. That's it. See the golden arches in there too. No, I'm just right. kidding. But Oh my gosh, that would be wild. <laughs> Not crazy. But they're so enormous. Like this helps yes. me with the scale because when yeah. you see them by themselves, you're like, oh, you know, they're yeah. not that big. But when you see it zoomed out like that and then it proportional to buildings around it, it's like, oh, Woo. they big. They big. Yeah. So let me throw at you what we do know. and We'll go from there. Let's do it. We're just going to go from there. So there's the three pyramids. There's the Pyramid of Khufu, which is the biggest one. And then there's Khafre, which was the tomb built for his son. And Men Menkari, which was the grandson. Mm. And that was the smallest one. So, like, they degrade okay. <laughs> over time. Degrade. They get smaller. Right. Um, and when I say what's known, it's like some of these are known definitely. And then also it's also just what's widely accepted at this time as well. So it was built around 2600 BC, which would have been the fourth dynasty of Egypt. And it is the oldest and largest and only one still standing of the seven ancient wonders. It is 481 feet high, or it was when it was constructed. It's actually lost 31 feet due to erosion and things like that. Um, And it was the tallest man-made monument for over 3000 years. It is 755 feet on each side. Wow. And the difference in length of each side is only by 58 millimeters or 2.3 inches. No way. The accuracy of this is absolutely mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Um, like my brain, it, like if you could see me right now, my jaw <laughs> is on the floor. My brain is leaking out of my ears. <laughs> I can't believe it's that precise yeah. for ancient times. For ancient times. Over, yeah, 2600 BC. So we're, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just nuts. They didn't even have the wheel at this time, according to, you know, everything. It gets crazier. So it's sloped at 51 degrees. Up to the top. And that ratio of the perimeter to the height is very close to the value of pi, which was not known at that time either. (laughs) Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? What? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just insane. And then the corners are almost perfectly in alignment with north, south, east, and west. It's only one fifteenth of a degree off. That is insane. 
I can't convey to you how insane that is. We'd be lucky to get that close with today's technology. Nobody can. That's the thing. Nobody can today with all of our tech and all of our everything. Nobody can be as accurate as they were with the pyramids and their alignment. Insane. It's as I don't even know. I don't I don't have words. I've been I've been looking at this for a long time. I still don't have words for it. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um so it's estimated that 2.3 million stone blocks were used to create the pyramid. And again, and I didn't make this clear in the beginning, but we're just talking about the pyramid of Co- of Khufu. Right. So there's three of them, but I'm just focusing on the biggest one. Because that's technically the wonder. So is the Pyramid of Khufu basically the Pyramid of Giza or are yeah. all three of them the Pyramids of Giza? I think it's like all three of them are the Pyramids of Giza. But when people say the Pyramid of Giza, it's generally that one because it's the biggest. And Why do they call it the Pyramid of Giza? Is that place that they're in Giza? It's the Giza Plateau that they're okay. in. And right there the Nile gets kind of dammed up with all these big rocks. So that's from what I understood is that's why they have all that greenery and then Mm. the desert. So they use 2.3 million stone blocks to build this. And each one weighed no less than two and a half tons up to 15 tons each. And then there was, yeah, it's just crazy. So the material that was used, they had 500, 5.5 million tons of limestone. There was, I know, like, again, just numbers just so big. 8,000 tons of granite and half a million tons of mortar were used to put all this together. Oh, my gosh. Um, The limestone facade that was on there that made it all white and shiny and perfect looking right a lot of that was either lost to earthquakes but more than anything people taking it and using it elsewhere so you can find it in other places around egypt where it's been used for mosques or other things like that but it was all taken down and repurposed so would the pyramids have been actually bigger in the time they were built than they are today we know, or we know, I, I use that so loosely. Right. <laughs> we assume maybe. We assume that it was 481 feet high. And I guess you can gauge that based on right. all the rest of it. But it has lost 31 feet of height. And I don't know how thick the limestone was like around it. Right. And the so, loss of, yeah. So the blocks themselves... Mm-hmm. weren't made out of limestone. It was just it was coated in limestone to sort of give it that sheen. Well, I think that was part of it, but no, it was mostly made out of limestone. Oh, okay. And but there was granite involved too. So, mm. 5.5 million tons of limestone. So, it was gotcha. the majority of it was limestone. But the okay. white beautiful facade right. is mostly what was, yeah. Polished okay. and made to look so pretty. I don't know. Um, it is nuts. And so it's estimated to weigh 5.7 million tons. <sighs> yeah. Just to put that into perspective, 
That is 16 Empire State Buildings. Oh, nice. 16 Empire State Buildings. All in this area. So you have to think, not only were they precise in their measurements, and the three of them also align with Orion, that constellation as well, and north, south, east, and west. It's just all so perfect, perfectly aligned everywhere. Right. But it had to be in a spot that could hold all that weight. <laughs> so right. uh, it's just it's just crazy. I'm going to pull up uh, another – I had another picture here that was – kind of helped with I think I did maybe I didn't thought I had something else to show like oh. size scale but I think we've it was big yeah it was big and it was heavy <laughs> there you go big and heavy oh my goodness you can go in and tour bits of it walk around it if you walk all the way around it it'd be a mile so each side is you know oh wow quarter mile and uh you can go in and see bits and pieces of it the limestone that they got was quarried a little over nine miles away. And then the granite, yeah, nine, which nine miles when you don't have the wheel. Right. That's the thing. I'm like nine miles in my car. Okay, whatever. I'll do that in five seconds. But right. nine miles on foot to lug these giant limestone bricks over yeah. to then, however they constructed it, walk it up a ramp. I don't know. Right. Yeah. What? <laughs> Nine miles to haul, and not granted, not all at the same time, but five and a half million tons of limestone, bringing it uh, just, ah, it's insane. But then the granite, that was no small feat either because that came from a swan, which was this, on the southern border of Egypt, and that's about 420 miles away. So even that was no small feat. And granted, they had the Nile and things like that, but you still had, you still had to move it, like right, <laughs> moving it. Oh my gosh! Ah, uh, so how? Well, okay. Herodotus is the big one giving credit for writing about this. Okay, and he wrote this in 450 BC, so over two thousand years since it was built. To put that into perspective, we live closer to the time of the construction of the Colosseum than Herodotus did to the construction of the pyramid. Oh my gosh. Isn't that just crazy? It's that crazy. insane. Yeah. Like again, you throw out these numbers, but it's like, yeah, 2000 years later, but no, like. Right. We <laughs> live closer to the time of the Colosseum. Needed <sighs> to this. And it's just crazy. So we don't know much more about the the pharaohs than just a list of the pharaohs because we've lost everything else. Right. Um, they're also not even sure when Khufu reigned except for the dating of the pyramid and graffiti found within the relieving chamber. So, oh, okay. well, I don't, I don't know that that really <laughs> the dating or anything else either but yeah if you don't know how we feel about radiocarbon dating okay. <laughs> go back yeah. and listen to that but you can't do that from stone right really so they're doing one of the worst forms of dating which is like the potassium argon or 
the they had two sources of organic material that they used so there was the mortar oh and they used the ash that was from the mortar i'm still not you know sure i'm not saying that carbon i like out of all of them carbon is the more reliable of the techniques true um so yeah, they used the mortar, and from that they dated it to about 287, 2087, sorry. Nope, nope, still wrong. 2870 BC. There we go. I'll get there. We there. Go. Numbers are hard. Numbers are hard. Words are hard. Ugh. And then to 2600 BC with the mortar. That's what they're guesstimate was and then there was a piece of timber from one of the air shafts that was found in 1872 Mm -hmm. and this wood would have dated to 3341 bc so like another thousand years earlier oh my gosh there's such a gap (laughs) weird this is why we don't like it (laughs) right this is why we don't like it this is also so crazy that we just readily accept that it was 2600 BC. Like, right, and not the older date. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The graffiti that was found, it was supposedly created by the workers and it was found in the relieving chamber, which is above the king's chamber. And that was found in 1837. And it referenced Khufu by name. So. Mm. Um, what's also crazy about this, no mummy was ever found inside. I mean, no mummy's ever been found inside any of the pyramids. Wait. Okay. Wait. You ruined my whole childhood. The whole point (laughs) of the pyramid was for the mummies. I know. I know. I feel so lied to. I know. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh, why did they tell us this? <laughs> well, why don't they tell us a lot of things? And that's, uh, yes. But no, no mummy was ever found. And on top of that, too, they never found any um, treasure inside this one either. So there was no treasure, because that was a big thing. They, they were buried with all the things they would need for the afterlife, right? And this treasure was never in there. The mummy was never in there. The queen, the queen's chamber, which we was named that a long time after the pyramid was built. Right. Nothing. There were, of course, grave robbers and it was looted. I mean, it was there for a long time, but there's still no evidence that anything was in there really. Anyway. (laughs) Base babe asked where daddy's found inside of mummies instead of mummies. <laughs> nothing. They found nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. You get nothing. Nothing. Nice try. No. It is an odd revelation. It's not one I expected coming on the show tonight. Right. right. I was all excited to talk about <laughs> the pyramids. And Elise is like, actually, there were no mummies. And I'm like, well. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I know. It's, it's, I think we get so caught up in um, these things that we think are true and accept. And it's right. like, but wait, why? 
So they, the grave robbers obviously took the mummies. I don't obviously. know why they did, but that's, or, you know, someone put the bracelet on and he walked out <laughs> with his like big storm cloud and the scarab bugs. Yes. And it was like, find me a new, better body and was like, let's go. Let's go. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually what happened. That's actually what happened. So if there's no mummies inside, what, what's the point? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I have theories, but Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know how crazy to get with this because uh, it's such a slippery slope. And <laughs> it's just not so. Basically, also, another point that I think is crazy is that this was the pinnacle <laughs> <laughs> of um, pyramid building. So like right. you have the best and from there they don't get better. They get worse until the Egyptians finally just give up altogether on creating pyramids and they go to the um, burying their dead in already formed kind of pyramid-like places, mm. hills, caves, right. I don't know, you know. But they, it's they funny because you see this. Recycling. Yeah. But you see this elsewhere where the oldest version of something is the best and everything else is not as good. Gobekli Tepe is one of them. Right. Um, It's like somebody somehow knew what they were doing and we couldn't keep up obviously and you can see that with the alignment you can see that with all of it it's like the ancients Ah. had some knowledge and then something happened and we lost that knowledge for some reason yeah either we lost it or they had it and when it was shared with like okay wasn't going to do this, you guys, but Uh-oh. I can't help she it. She can't not do it. I can't not say it. So I think the three main theories here would be that it is either man-made, aliens, obviously, or the Nephilim, giants. Right. If we take the Nephilim into account and they taught us things that we weren't supposed to know, right? Right. And the stars and the alignments and things like that being one of them. So if they were to have built these with the knowledge they had and shared with us, but we obviously didn't connect it. You know, I mean, it's almost as if we were taught this, but we couldn't quite grasp the concept anyway. Yeah, it it does because I'm a teacher and I stand at the board and work... (laughs) Second uh, Newton's second law problems out 20 times and they still can't do it on the test. Right. Exactly. We are just as students. Ah. <laughs> ah. Uh, um, that's just my crazy theory. But I do want to talk for a moment. Like, let's say it is man-made. Let's get really crazy and say that it's man-made. Oh, Wow. How dare you? I know. I know. Like, how could people do that? They didn't know how to scaffold back then. Uh, Oh, I'm all over the place. Let's talk about that real quick. How how was it built? No idea. 
I got no answers for you there. One of the things, you know, is like an earth ramp, but that's pretty much thrown out or ramps There's, to build right. it up. No. They had to have, like, if it was humans, it had to have been scaffolding. Right. It had to have. But there, <laughs> one thing I read, which made no sense to me, was it couldn't have been ramps because the, the material to build that would have been found. Right. So what they did was spiral ramps. <laughs> I was like, how is that any different? Right. As far as material. As far as the material goes. Then they just slowly take the spiral ramp down and and hid the evidence so you didn't know that they used a spiral ramp? They wouldn't have done that with a real ramp, but they're going to do it with a spiral one. Yeah. No, I I don't know why scaffolding just can't be an accepted thing. How, How dare you? At least they couldn't read. Right. They didn't have the wheel. They had nothing. Nothing. They could at least leave graffiti, I guess. Right. I'm Khufu's buddy. That was one thing. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to keep ruining your childhood here. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. in for the rest. (laughs) Uh, At least least. ruined my childhood today. Here we go. Um, maybe it won't. I don't know. But when I was growing up, I was under the impression the pyramids were built by slaves. Yeah. Like you needed slave labor to build these great works of art. Yeah, they were these it great- was built by the Israelites mm-hmm. when they were enslaved by Egypt. Right. This would have dated before them. So I'm not saying that they oh, weren't okay. slaves at some, you know. Right, at some that they point. weren't. This pyramid specifically, I'll just say, was before their time. Okay. So, so but, maybe they worked on other pyramids, but not this one. Right. And so maybe that's why they downgraded because the Jews were like, I'm not going to uh, do this yeah, good. I ain't <laughs> building <laughs> your crazy pyramid for your fake ass gods. <laughs> right. <laughs> But what I keep finding in a lot of articles that I've been reading and narratives that I've been hearing is that this was not done by slave labor. These were all people. It was either like a feudal system like you would have seen in the Middle Ages where people were working, you know, for the protection of the pharaoh, but they were well taken care of. Okay. Or artisans and all these people who were Skilled laborers who volunteered to do this. Yeah, okay. I don't think I could get a list. Like, I don't have enough time to list all of my sources because it was literally everywhere. It was everywhere. They all love that theory. Yeah. And of course, nobody can prove it one way or the other, really. We got nothing. So (laughs) that and it's – don't get me wrong – I'm not rooting for slavery here by any means. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I want to make that very clear. I don't want that. Let me just break down the math of this real quick, though, because here's where it gets crazy. You have 250 blocks that would have had to have been done per day. So the idea is that the, the theory is that it was done in 27 years. So let's say 30 right. years. You would have had to have made... 250 blocks per day to get 23 million stones in 27 years. 250 blocks a day. 
I just did the math. That is, hold on, let me hold out all those zeros. It's like 2,463,750 blocks. Isn't that nuts? Nobody's doing that voluntarily. You know what sounds like fun? <laughs> Using these tools that are you, terrible to make these. Okay. And then the blocks themselves weigh no less than two and a half tons and up to 15. <laughs> so it's not like chiseling nice cute little blocks uh, just just in case you don't know how heavy a ton is a ton is a thousand pounds yeah you ain't lifting a thousand pounds on that weight that you do with the gym <laughs> no you Unless ain't everybody doing... was super jacked and i don't think so <laughs> i i think uh, ash's heartless said on youtube they're workers man they must have been in shape Exactly. There's no way they didn't have the wheel at this point. There's no, no way they way. didn't have a lot of things at this, this right. point. I, I don't think we give enough credit. I think that's part of the problem Yeah. to things they might have had that we haven't found or that I don't. I don't know. I just. Ah. A little more math, though, just to really hammer home this point. I love math. They, oh, I love math. Oh, Je Jelly corrected me. It's 2,000 pounds. So even heavier. So even heavier. They were even more jacked. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a millstone is 3,000. Oh. Good to know. That's good perspective. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> to have accomplished this in 30 years, at the low end, like maybe during harvest season, they still would have needed 13,000 workers working on this. And in the height of it, up to 40,000 people working on right. this. I don't know. I, that's a, okay. If it is a feudal system even, or if these people were all paid artisans and workers and whatnot, that's a lot of money. Yeah. To be thrown at people for 30 years to build this. And that's just this one. Right. Not the other two that go along with it that were built later. <laughs> so there's a lot of money. That's a heck of a lot of work. Yeah. To get done in 30 years. It's totally doable, maybe. I mean, it's not like we've reproduced this, this is the part that makes it tough for me is that we can't reproduce it. Yeah. So like I can get on board with the idea that they had scaffolding, that they had the wheel, that they could yeah. read and write, like yep. totally buy all those things. Yep. The part that I struggle with is that with all our fancy technology that we are missing something that they knew. Yep. So it's not that we know something they don't. They know something we don't. Right. <clears throat> they know something we don't. They had something, someone that we don't. And again, I'm not convinced that that's the date. It's yeah. lasted all this time. What's to say it's not even older? Perhaps pre-flood older. Exactly. 
But really, let's be honest. It was aliens and you know it. I'm done. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know. We don't know. I just had to throw out the absurdity of this new. There's no way it's artisans. No way people are being paid, volunteering, whatever to do it. It's, It's just this attempt by academia to rewrite history so the only people who ever had slaves were americans right it was all our fault yeah we did it we're the baddies Uh, yeah and they do but okay here's the other twist and i don't know that there's anything to this but they a lot of them were quick to say that was a very greek point of view because the greeks had slaves and so i was like so we can throw the greeks under the bus (laughs) But not the Egyptians. Right. They're so intent on trying to make sure we don't know that Egyptians had slaves, except we know for a fact that they enslaved the Israelites. Right. Well, come on, Jess, you can't take that seriously. (laughs) I can't take biblical history seriously. The Bible, the historicity of the Bible has never shown to be accurate ever. (laughs) <laughs> can't say that anyone did anything mean to the Israelites. Nope. 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 That's not accepted nope. in modern times. Nope. That was a tangent that nobody needed, but I had I to do it anyway. <laughs> but melee brawlers, right? I mean, come on, guys. They're not aliens. It was clearly done by demons. I'm not. I'm Is that not- same thing? They're the same picture? They're the same picture? Question right? Yeah. Personally. I don't know. I think it was actually super easy because Newton hadn't been born yet. And so he hadn't discovered gravity. <laughs> yes. So that whole limiting belief was not there. Yeah. You could just. It was fine. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that a lot. <clears throat> um, those are like the the. You know, I'm not here to be like, this is how it was done. I have no idea. I just also am going to poke holes at stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. Also. Um, My whole tangent, I just got got off of everything. Sorry. Yeah. Anybody want to see the inside? (laughs) Yes, let's see the inside. (laughs) I'll talk so much about the outside. So the inside... Basically, eh, I like this because it looks pretty, but it's like not it. as informative. So then there's oh, okay. this less pretty picture of the inside of the pyramid. With so you have font made for ants. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I should have it pulled up on another screen. But at the top Ooh. there, you have the king's chamber. Right. And then. Um, Wait, you said the relief chamber was above the king's chamber, right? Yes, which I believe is. Uh, <laughs> I'm pulling it up on another screen for myself. Okay. I don't necessarily see it in the picture. Maybe they forgot to draw it or something. Yeah. Um, it's a relief chamber, just like the bathroom. I don't know. 
Why did they call it? I honestly got too sidetracked and everything else to really look at the inside I mean, inside of it. And fair. I'm sorry. But basically, this is pretty much empty. The chamber that's at the very, very bottom, nothing there. The queen's chamber. There's really not a whole lot to be found in there. That per se, that's not it. One thing that was found in 2017. I mean, they. So this has been around all these years, all these thousands of years. We're still finding new stuff to deal to do with the pyramids. So in 2017, a team of um, a team from Japan basically used cosmic rays to penetrate the pyramid and find if there was more that we hadn't found yet. Right. Um, to me, I was like, cosmic rays, that sounds so appropriate for <laughs> the pyramid and all the right. craziness with it. But luckily I have Jess and she told me that it's a lot like an x-ray. That's what it sounds like to me, right? Because <laughs> there are different wavelengths of light. We see visible <clears throat> light, but there are wavelengths that are both smaller and longer that could e- that could go through our bodies and then like reflect off our bones. So I I could see that they're looking at it through different things. Through different things. Yeah. So basically this um, (laughs) pyramid from science.org. Who invited PJ? He's cracking (laughs) me up right now. I'm I'm literally not looking at him. (laughs) I'm calling my bathroom the relief chamber from now on. It sounds so much more sophisticated. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Shall I show you to the relief chamber? (laughs) If you get nothing else from this episode. Right. You now have a fancy term for your bathroom. (laughs) Uh, But with the cosmic rays, it said um, they used muon imaging. Mm. And they set up a, I lost my spot here. Direction-sensitive muon detectors in the Queen's Chamber and in the adjacent corridor within the pyramid and at its base on the north side and analyzed the collected data every two to five months. Mm. So it took quite a – it was a long x-ray. <laughs> Very long x-ray. And what they had found was this 30-meter-long void up above towards the top – closer to the top of the pyramid. I keep reaching for my screen. To show everybody the picture, the picture. <laughs> Things I shouldn't say. <laughs> Idiot. Anyway, it's, it's been one of those days. It's up, and it's just this void in the top, and they're basically guessing that that was just a way to distribute some of the weight with the pyramid. Oh, okay. Nothing cool. <laughs> we got jokes about the relief chamber in the chat yeah. um, but no that makes sense that because it's not like they have rebar or anything to right. put in it to stabilize the foundation much less an extremely heavy top yeah. exactly but that's like the latest that has been found and unfortunately it resulted in not a whole lot <laughs> You know, I feel like there was this time, uh, like in the early, late 90s or 
even before where people were really invested in archaeology and learning where these things came from and learning a lot about them. And then all of a sudden it slowed down. And it's just like you don't hear about this kind of stuff very often, if at all, anymore. And I just wonder why? Why? Right. Yeah. Um, is it more of that gatekeeping? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're making this so dry and boring that nobody's going to be interested in it anymore. And we can throw out things like they didn't use slaves to make the pyramids. And who's going to argue because they don't. Right. They're not going to look into this stuff anymore. I mean, there is archaeological evidence of, um, oh, branding irons that were like too small for cattle. Yeah. Might have made more sense to use on people. And there's transactions, like receipts from selling. But that's totally normal. Very normal behavior. When you're just using people who want to be there. Ah! I don't know why that one ticked me off so bad, but it's like, well, you're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes to what purpose. And can we just call a spade a spade? Like history right. is not beautiful all the time. History is not going to be this fanciful, wonderful, beautiful thing. Sometimes it's ugly and it's um, disgusting, disheartening. It can be really, really awful, yeah. but that's how you learn. You strive to be better. Right. You strive to be do more. And I don't know. Just it's um, really shameful that we can't point to the truth in history. Yeah. Even if the truth is ugly. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the truth is real. And it is ugly. But that, you know, that doesn't mean we shouldn't look at it, you know. Right. Because like you said, it prevents us from making the same mistake again. And by trying to turn away from it, by trying to ignore it, by trying to uh, look over it with rose-colored glasses, we forget our history and we're doomed to repeat it. Yes, absolutely. Make the same mistakes, fall for the same traps, fall for the same lies, so on and so forth. That's not being repeated today by any means. <sighs> But there is um, there is importance to learning the dark side. Not that it's all terrible either, because I don't mean that. There are beautiful, wonderful stories in history, and maybe someday I'll share those, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fair. not my thing. <laughs> all she shares with us is death and destruction and naked statue men. <laughs> I was just being accurate with the Greeks. I swear. Yeah, yeah. We all know. <laughs> I, I stayed away from it today, though. That's true. Yay. That's true. Now we just have relief chambers. <clears throat> now we just have potty humor. That's <laughs> We're right. so mature, guys. <laughs> I swear. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's a wonder. It's a wonder. They're wonderful. I will bring up really quick before we close out. Yes. The runners up. So we have the Ishtar Gate, which I had mentioned earlier. Nebuchadnezzar very definitely did build this and took credit for it. And it's 
here somewhere, guys. I swear. But this would have been in Babylon. No, not this one. Goodness. We'll get there. It's really pretty in a very disturbing kind of way since it's a gate to for Ishtar. Yeah. That's roughly what it, that's oh. what it would have looked like. It's blue. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just like surprised because uh, dyes like that would have been extremely rare, especially on stone. So it would have had to have been like a, it would have had to have been like a precious gem. Gem or dye. It was just more extravagance and it was for their goddess. You know what I mean? Like nothing's too out there. I don't know. But this, the gate of Ishtar was one that was a runner up in Babylon. Babylon also had another one, which would have been the walls of Babylon, which were said to have been so um, wide wow. that two chariots could go side by side um, on the wall, on the top of the walls. So they were deep, sturdy, might've given the wall of China a run for its money. No, I don't know. That's really, and there's the Ishtar and gate. And there's That's Ishtar really gate. <clears throat> um, Eorthian says Ishtar is pronounced like Easter in the Middle East. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, another runner up was the Colosseum, but that was right later. The Temple of Solomon and Noah's Ark. Mm. Yeah. So... Now we have Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Exactly. We have our own Noah's Ark now. That's right. <laughs> Those are the seven ancient wonders. Thank you for joining me on our little adventure. I, you know, I really enjoyed that. It it was enlightening to have my childhood dreams about mummies <laughs> and pyramids destroyed. I know. I know. I guess I needed it. But whatever. Whatever. Again, that's that that's that dark stuff you just gotta look at, Jess. I know. <laughs> Listen, you just know what? Kidding. I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame the Prince of Egypt. I'm gonna blame like Cyber Chase and all of those weird shows I watched when I was a kid. Right, right, right. You know. It's their fault. All their fault. All their fault. <laughs> but no, this was really good. I enjoyed it. I didn't know enough about all of these things. I didn't know most of them even ever existed. If they ever existed. Any right. of it, except the pyramid. And except those the pyramid. dreams were destroyed too. So no, this was great. I enjoyed it. I want to know about like the other wonders that you mentioned, like, um, like the wall of China, like yeah. Jericho, like what were some of the other <clears> ones? <throat> the library of Alexandria, which I will never stop thinking about. Right, right, right. <laughs> The library. I do. I would love to talk about the library sometime because what a tragedy. Men think about the Roman Empire. Women think about the Library of Alexandria. I like that you've started that. Yep. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> but the wonders of the world. Dude, now I'm going to have to look it up because it was, you know, the Great Wall of China, the Colosseum. Right. 
I think Machu Picchu was one of them. Oh, yeah. Ooh, dreams to go to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Guys, this is why you need to join us over on Locals and maybe leave us a rumble rant if you feel in it. So one day we can go to Machu Picchu and do a live stream from there because that would be amazing. Amazing. My internet doesn't want to work either. What else is now? Nothing. Nothing. Pookie says the Roman Empire is making the second coming soon. Dun, dun, dun. So do you think we could get another Library of Alexandria? Mm, maybe. It's the internet. Isn't that the Vatican? The... Oh, yeah, the Vatican. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really kidding. But that's another episode I'd love to do, like all of the artifacts that are hidden in the What's Vatican. What's down there? What is in the Vatican? What's down there? Know. If down you there. work for in the there. Vatican, if you have inside information <laughs> about the Vatican... Our email is quirksofcreation at gmail.com. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. We would love to have you on. Let's talk about it. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I love it. All right. The Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal, the Colosseum, Christ the Redeemer of Brazil oh, in yeah. Brazil, and Machu Picchu, and Chichen Itza in Mexico. Okay. And Petra. Oh, Petra. Yeah. I forgot about Petra. I know. I love Petra. Indiana Jones. (laughs) I love him too. Anyway. Yeah. That's those ones. But I, yeah, this was fun. Let's go over to the chat and see if there's any memes. Oh, we've got the memes. I don't know if I gave you any material for that. (laughs) Zero. Absolutely none. We will be memeless. Before we leave our audio listeners, I do want to mention what we're going to do next week. It is going to be a first time special behind the science episode that we are going to do with our guest. No soup for Knowles. If you know her on Twitter, she is also known as Britta. And she is going to give us behind the science as to why Michael Knowles does not deserve soup. Yes. I'm so so excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be funny. It's going to be crazy. I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. So whether you are pro soup or no soup, let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. If you have evidence to support either argument, my DMs are open. Our email is open. Send your pieces of evidence and it may be shown live on the show because we want to give all sides a fair shot at the argument. (laughs) Yay. Can I come in as the neutral party? Yes, I would love that. Okay. Who knows nothing? That's me. I can't wait. Yay. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. That's next Friday. Oh, um, October 13th. Just a heads up. We are superstitious. superstitious so we're not going to do a, a show uh, that Friday night. On Friday the 13th, like. <laughs> Friday, October 13th. That's so a like, little eh, much. The stars don't align. It's, it's not an auspicious day. We're not going to stream. Just kidding. We really aren't going to stream live that night. We're saving it for the following Monday. I think so. We'll double check and make sure. Double check. Um, But we won't have a Friday show. We will either have a Saturday or a Monday show, depending on what is available to us. We will let you guys know. Um, Fun stuff is coming. 
We'll keep you updated. If you you follow us on Rumble and Discord and all of the places you can find your favorite show. And we yeah. will see you guys next week. Stay quirky, see you next friends. Week.